0: Word. Y'all ready? Well, there was one, one thing I forgot to announce. Uh, me and this little lady here celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary Tuesday. four <laughs> <Poor man. laughs> 25 years. You made it this far. That's good. Can't believe it. And I wanted to bring that out to mention that when I tell you what I'm about to tell you, We did make it 25 years, so I have done some things right along the way. But early on, before I got saved, we got married before we got saved. And one day she came home and drove in the driveway and had some groceries. She wanted me to help her carry in the house. And so I went out and I picked up the bag and it had milk in it. Now, I had been telling her for quite some time, you know, I'm like the Jethro Bodine of cereal. When I grew up; that's all I ate. You know, I I would get those big Tupperware bowls to eat out of them, big, you know, serving spoons <laughs> to barely fit in my mouth. You know, I I I'd, I'd pour a whole gallon of milk in a whole box in there sometimes. You know, I was a cereal eater now, but I told I had told her that I like whole milk. That's the way I always drank it. That's what my mama bought. And I looked in this bag, and here it was again, that 2%. <laughs> and I don't know what got into me that day, you know, thinking I'm, I'm the man of this house, you know. I, I said, Angie, and I took that gallon of milk. I said, I told you I don't like 2%, and I shook that milk out into the street and crashed, <laughs> went everywhere. You know how Angie reacted? You see that scar right there? No. <laughs> That's old Pastor Billy joking. <laughs> it still works after all these years. No. I will tell you later. We need to get to Jesus, sorry. Right? Jesus gets to Lazarus' tomb, right? And there's a stone in front of it. He's been dead for four days. And Jesus says, roll away the stone. And Mary and Martha, his own sisters, are thinking, nah, I don't know if that's a good idea. He's, he's been dead for four days. He, by now he stinks. I don't know if we should do this, Jesus. I mean, they wanted him to be alive, but this is a, you know, he's been dead for four days. How long have you been dead before Jesus called you? How long were you spiritually dead before Jesus rolled away the stone and called you forth? Before He said, Come forth, Nicholas! Come forth, Tyler! And you answered the call. And you got up out of the grave. You got up off... And walked out into the light. And came alive again. You was born again. <coughs> How long were you in the tomb? There was probably some people saying, man, don't even roll away that stone. By now he's stinketh. You don't know where he's been. You don't know where she's been all these years. But yet Jesus called you forth and you came forth. And you got a chance, a new chance at life. And now you're thinking, I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to walk with this one who brought me into this new life. And we're ready to ride with Jesus. What were your expectations? We're going to talk a lot about expectations today. i tell you what. If being brought into a new life, a new beginning doesn't bring some expectations, then something's wrong with you. Turn to John 12. The Gospel of John. 12th verse. Now see, Jesus went on and called Lazarus forth. Lazarus came forth. They unwrapped the grave clothes off of him. But then the Pharisees was given Jesus' problems so he had to leave for a couple days. He comes back and he eats dinner at Lazarus' house, the guy he raised from the dead. And people was coming from everywhere to see this. Jesus and the guy he raised from the dead. And and, uh, it made the Pharisees mad. It made the religious people mad because they weren't getting the attention. And everybody was trusting in Jesus. And so they wanted not only to kill Jesus, they wanted to kill Lazarus. And after Jesus had supper, in verse 12, it says that next day the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. And a large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. This is what they call Palm Sunday. And they shouted, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hail to the King of Israel! And Jesus found a young donkey, and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, "Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your King is coming, riding on a donkey's colt." And his disciples didn't understand at that time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. And if you want to know where that prophecy is, it's in Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine. It talks about you know six hundred years before Jesus was born, and how he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, your King. If you want to read another prophecy, you can look in Daniel chapter 9, where it talks about how many days it would be from the rebuilding of the temple till the Messiah would come. And you will, if you study it out, you will find out that Jesus came riding in at the exact moment that God had preordained before the foundation of the world. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that the things that had been written about him, so they, they looked back like we did. Like we do, we get to look back and see that God has had a plan all along. Imagine that. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That's what we need to be about telling others, hey, I've been raised from the tomb, and I got a whole church full of people with me, been raised from the tomb. You need to come see this. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about the miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Boy, don't I wish that was the case. It sure appeared that everyone has gone after him. Everybody's waving these branches and shouting. I wish that was the case, that everyone has gone after him. It seems like in America, everyone claims to be a Christian. Today, we're starting a new series, and I'm going to call it The Cross Road space between the cross and the road little play of words you see get it (laughs) the cross road and today's message is part one a triumphal procession You, you know I imagine Lazarus was walking with Jesus that day when they found the donkey I imagine he's saying I'm riding with Jesus man these people are trying to kill me like him but I'm gonna stay with the one who saved me. I'm gonna say, say stay with the one who brought me back to life. But all of a sudden he has these expectations that Jesus is gonna be his everything, but Jesus gets on this donkey to ride in. And what must Lazarus have been thinking? Okay, wait a minute. These people are out to kill us, and most of them are from Jerusalem. And you're, you're supposed to be the Messiah, but you're going to come riding in on a donkey. Right into the enemy's lair. No horse, no chariot. No sword, no shield. Jesus, this didn't look in very intimidating. I'm not sure, you know, my expectations were that you was going to keep me safe on this journey. What must Lazarus have been expecting? What were you expecting? After you got saved. Do you remember? I was expecting. I was expecting everybody was going to get it. That I was going to tell them about Jesus and they were just going to fall down on their knees and worship God. I I was going to tell them, look, you ain't going to believe this, but I've had supernatural experiences and God has done this in my life and I'm resurrected and I I was going to clean up and I was going to act right and I was going to love folks and everybody was going to see the change and everybody was going to want what I had. And I did all those things. And even my own family was looking at me like I was crazy, like I joined a cult or something. I said, you always wanted me to stop cussing. Mama, you always told me to stop drinking. You always told me to stop being such a butthead. You know, can I say that in church? I did already. uh, Too late. And I was doing all those things. And they were like, well, yeah, we're glad that you're doing right, but you're reading the Bible and going to church with... You sure that ain't a cult down there? We wanted you to change, but, you know, not like that. (laughs) Many people just don't get this whole God on a donkey thing. That just doesn't make sense. I mean, we, we look at it as a story and we look back, but at the time, God on a donkey? Most people would rather picture God as some old, senile Hard, bad sight guy up in the sky. Or at least that's what they're hoping so he doesn't see what they're doing, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> but the donkey thing works for those of us who've come to the end of ourselves. Doesn't it? Love at eye level. Not somebody comes riding in... A, Over us. It's what many religions do. Try to ride over you. Run over you. But our God comes in at eye level. Love at eye level. Accessible. Down with the people. And Jesus gives the sinners reason to raid their palm branches. It made the the ones who thought that they were self-righteous it made them mad but the rest of us who realized man we ain't got it all together we get the donkey thing the, the Pharisees you got him <laughs> Some of them make y'all shout around here. Release the rest of them. No. <laughs> but the Pharisees weren't excited. Needless to say. They don't get excited about the things of God for some reason. In fact, they told Jesus, man... They implored him, you need to shut these people up. Jesus said, if I try to shut these people up, the very rocks will cry out. Because some people don't get it. Don't mean that all of creation and all of heaven is not rejoicing that their Messiah is riding into Jerusalem. But many of those who are in the procession, who are shouting, Hosanna! By the end of the week, we'll be shouting, crucify. And why is that? Why do you suppose they were so excited, but by the end of the week, they could care less? It might be because of their expectations. Look at your neighbor and say, Expectations. <clears throat> Some people think saved means exempt. And some people preach it that way. Let's be honest. It's been preached that way. You just give your heart to Jesus, man, and everything is going to be hunky-dory. It's going to be a cuna matata. No. It's good. no worries. John 16, Jesus said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Did he say you might have many trials and sorrows? I wish you would have. But he said you will have many trials and sorrows. Christians are not exempt The same wind and rain that beat upon the house that was on the sinking, shifting sand beats upon the house that is built on the foundation. The only difference is, one of them stands. He says, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. You're going to go through it, but you're going to go through it with me. And I've already been through it. And overcome, and I'm going to show you how to do it. He said, "I told you all this so that you might have peace." What did he? What had he told them in chapter 16? Well, if you read read through the chapter before that, it says he had told them about the Holy Spirit. He had told them that he was going to fill them with all the same power that was going to raise him from the dead would dwell in their mortal bodies. That he he's going to send a Comforter so that you would never be alone. He told them about the truth of his word. It can be depended on. There's power in the Word of God. It's wisdom. It's instructions. He had told them about the power of His name. Like the song we just sang. There's power in the name of Jesus. And He gives it to us. Whatsoever we ask in Jesus' name. And He had told them about the assurance of His love. He had let them know that you were loved. You don't ever have to worry about that. And you give them hope with the promise of His return. He's not leaving us down here. This is, It won't be the end down here. He's going to prepare a place for us that where He is, we may be also. And if you think about the things He told them just in John chapter 16... These are things, that's all things that you need to pertain to life and godliness. Stir yourselves up in these things. These are the things that help you be an overcomer, even though you're not exempt. But sadly, few people ever fully function in any of these. So few people. I think the the percentage in here would be staggering if we were to know the truth. Jesus told us about the parable of the sower. He said the farmer sows the seed. And the seed, he tells us later, is the Word of God. The understanding of who we are and what our purpose is and what our design is supposed to be about. And and the farmer sows the seed. And some seed falls on the path. And the birds come and eat it up. The devil comes and immediately distills the word out of the the heart of the person who hears it. And so it doesn't even get planted. But some of the seed fell in the shallow soil just off the rocky path. And so it springs up for a moment, but then the sun scorches it because it has no root. And some fell over there in the in the thorns and stuff. And and it was just it just choked out the life of it. <clears throat> and so very little of the power of God, the seed of God, is produced in the heart, and a good heart finds the way to a good heart. <clears throat> Excuse me, I gotta. The devil just steals the truth from those who decide to walk on the wide path that leads to destruction. You just don't even believe it. You just don't even let it settle in. But then some of us, we go to church twice a month. And we feel like we're doing God a favor. We clock in, do our civic duty. But we never... I mean, we're excited the first couple times we go, but then, you know, I've seen, I've heard that song, and so forth. And we never engage in a real relationship with Jesus. We never ask Him His opinion about our life or anything. We never actually want to do His will. It's just an add-on to our life, and so we spring up for a moment, but then when problems and persecution arise, oh, we're out of there. Well, you know... It was nice while it lasted, but, I, you know, people are talking about me in the church or, you know, any little thing in the church. You got people in the church, things are going to happen, you know. And some people are just church hopping or they just quit altogether. The seed never gets time to grow in their heart. And then Mark 4, 19 says all too quickly, the ones that, he's talking about the ones that fall in the, the ground with the thorns and stuff, all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries Of this life. Oh how many people do I see. You know. They used to come to church. And you talk to them and say. Man we're missing you. You know you need to be active in the body of Christ. You need to be doing the things of God. Well I had. Man my my bills got this. and, And my mom so and so. And this. You know everybody's got bills and moms. But some people still seem to be serving the Lord. In the midst of it. And then it says the lure of wealth. Whoa. You know, what are you really after in this world? You know, got to go to work. But some of them is like, I make $3 more over here. They just leave their family and their church and everything and move over for $3 more an hour somewhere in Arkansas. somewhere. And the, and the desire for other things so that no fruit is produced. Ask yourself, I'm not asking you. Ask yourself, is my life producing any fruit for the kingdom of God? Some of you might be sitting there saying, I didn't even know I was supposed to. Well, you're in the right place today because the seed is flowing from this pulpit today to you to let you know that God does have a plan for your life. He does have a plan. He does. You are supposed to produce fruit. You're supposed to bear fruit. Eternal fruit. And when Jesus Christ calls you forth, didn't you say, Yes, Lord? Jesus Christ calls you forward out of the darkness and you came out. You responded. And your salvation was settled. You have an eternal home With God, you have responded by faith. Just some of us just had just a little bitty seed of mustard faith, and we responded with that, and it was enough to be saved. And so, your salvation is settled. But most people don't realize at that point your sanctification has just begun. And when I say that, many people look at me like I don't even know what sanctification means. Sanctification means being set apart. Sanctification is setting yourself apart from your old life and the things of this world and setting yourself apart unto God and to do His will and to produce fruit for His kingdom. See, He gave everything for us. His very own life. His very own Son. He gave everything. And when He calls us forward, He expects us to give Him our life. It's the grand exchange. It's covenant talk. It's covenant talk. All that I have is yours and all that you have is mine. And most people, they come out of the tomb but have no idea, well, I, I'm just going to live my life with the idea that I'm going to heaven one day. But no. you got to... Work it out. What is it? Uh, Philippians. I got it written down here. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Your salvation should be producing something in your life. It's not something to keep hid. Well, I got saved, but I don't like to talk about religion. <clears throat> we just we still got the mindset of the world. But this says work hard to show the results of your salvation. The King James says work out your salvation. When you were saved, God put in you everything that you need to produce fruit. All these things we talked about in John 16, they're, they're at your disposal. And the very power of God, the Holy Spirit is in your heart. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness is is in there. But you have to work it out into the outer extremities of your life, into the natural if you want to produce fruit in this earth. And so it's a process. And it says obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. What is, what is your life all about? To do what pleases Him. He is your creator. He is your sustainer. And the greatest glory that a man can have is to do what pleases Him. That's why you were created. He gave you salvation. He paid the price. You didn't. You just received salvation. And this is now He's given you the desire and the power to work it out. See, he's he saved you, and we like to take credit for. Uh, I'm I'm a better person than I used to be. I don't throw the milk as much anymore. No, that's because that's all. All that is is because I'm getting closer to him. I'm my relationship with him is drawing out of me, my salvation, and it, and, and my desires are changing because it's his desire in me and it's his power in me. He gets the credit from start to finish. It's all about Jesus. It always has been about Jesus. The meaning of life is found in Colossians 1.15. We were created by Him and for Him. But we have different expectations. I want you to notice that Jesus, He didn't ride a limo into the palace. He rode a donkey to the temple. A donkey to the temple symbolizes a humble heart wanting to do the Father's business. But most of us, even after we're saved, we're thinking God is going to put us in a limo and drive us to the palace. We still got worldly expectations. That's why so many people get so discouraged about Christianity because they got the wrong expectations. They don't even know what Christianity is. They want to take the limo to the palace. They only want enough God to overthrow the Romans in their life. That's why I think Judas betrayed Jesus because he was expecting... Jesus to come and overthrow the Romans. Well, Jesus is coming back and He won't be riding on a donkey next time. But this time He came for us. Next time He's coming against those who have rejected Him. And He'll be on a white horse. And all the armies of heaven will be riding against Him and it won't be good then. But He came the first time as Isaiah 53, Messiah. The suffering servant. Down on our level. Humble and about the Father's business. And what He's wanting from us is that same type of humility and desire to do the Father's business. Not to to live in the palace, but to live in the temple. <clears throat> I thought that was pretty good. those ones who are just looking for the palace, they're just looking for God to overthrow the Romans in their life they want the power and all these things they're the ones that will be shouting crucify him at the end of the week false expectations people want their rewards now do you have to have your rewards now you got a choice You can seek after the things of this life and have it now, maybe. Or you can seek after the things of God and save up treasures in heaven. And I think eternity is a little bit more significant than this 80, 90, 100 years we may live here. And I think Jesus is telling us, don't live for the love of this life. Give up your life in this world and you will find eternal life. Expectations. It's hurting somebody in here right now to hear that because they like, man, I just, I don't know, I can't give, the, Can't. I can't die to myself daily. I can't take up my cross. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. He'll give you that desire, but you've got to press in to, to the Holy Spirit in you. You got to get in into the inside of the salvation package. It's Jesus, the face of Christ. You got to know Him. Then you'll experience the power of His resurrection. A resurrection in your expectations. You'll begin to see life so much more diff- differently. Let's turn to 2 Thessalonians 2. <coughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. This type of preaching runs a lot of folks off. We probably could have grown this church to three or four times this size if we didn't preach this. If we just preached, man, you can have the limo and you can have the palace. But I want to thank you for being in those chairs today. For having realistic expectations of your life in Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says, Apostle Paul says, We're bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation. Man, we can't even take credit for that. I thought I chose Jesus. No, He chose me. He chose you for salvation through sanctification. A setting apart. By His Spirit, He wants to set you apart by His Spirit and a belief in the truth. You were chose for this. You're not sitting there by an accident. You could have run off, but you're here. To which He called you by our gospel. And the things I'm telling you, as much as it hurts your flesh to hear, is the gospel, it is good news. <laughs> For the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, you're supposed to shine. You're supposed to so <laughs> shine, let your light shine before men that people see your good works and glorify your God which is in heaven, isn't that Matthew 10, 16 or something like that? Wow. (laughs) I love preaching the gospel. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. I know you ain't got it all figured out. I don't either. I know it's hard. But stand fast and hold the traditions to which you were taught, whether by word or by epistle, whether some man preached it to you or it came straight out of the word of God, the epistles of God. The good traditions stand fast. Why does life have to be so difficult? Why couldn't God just zap us on out of here, you know, when we got saved? Rocky Balboa says, Life ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. They'll beat you to your knees if you let it. Right? I'm telling you. This is a hard life. It ain't easy. Even Christians complain it's too hard. But let me ask you Christians. Where would you be without Jesus? Some of you got this false reality that you created at the good old days. That it used to be easier. No. You used to have the same things happen to you in the old days. But you, back then you turned to drugs or alcohol or something. To numb the pain. But all you did was compounded your problems. Now when the tribulation comes, you turn to Christ. And you become an inspiration to somebody else when they see how how did they get through that. You know, I've done both funerals. I've done the funerals where the person was a good Christian person and everybody knew that they were saved and, and everybody in the audience seemed to be believers too. And it turned into a celebration. But I've done the funerals where it wasn't so much a surety of that. And it looked like most people out there was just ready for it to be over so they could go smoke a cigarette. Go get them a six-pack. There wasn't no joy in it. But we're not like those without hope in the world. See, we have those things found in John 16 that supports us through the hard times. We have somebody who gets in the fire with us. Nobody wants to go through the fire, but when you go through the fire with Jesus, you come out and it's not smelling like smoke. <laughs> what is it? Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I first got saved, I tell you what, I love that scripture. I could only see it from one angle. And that's what, I can do anything I want to, man. I can jump over the moon. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I want to start a business or if I want to do this, I can do all things. I would boost myself up. But over time and through the storms of life, that scripture began to take on a different meaning. I began to see it multidimensionally. I can go through this hard time, this suffering, this pain, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That Scripture means more than just you can overcome. It means that you can endure. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I will admit over time, sometimes I think about that second to last Scripture in the whole Bible in Revelations where it says, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. (laughs) How many, I mean, if you really... Have an expectation of what heaven is going to be like. Christ is really in your heart and you know that you're saved and you know you're going to heaven, man. It's it's like hard not to say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But yet, if you're like me, you have the mindset of Christ. He's long-suffering and patient and not willing that any should perish. And he's waiting for us to bring forth the fruit from the earth. You want to really go to heaven? Then you need to get to telling people about Jesus, because He's not coming back until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. And what He's waiting on is us to be producing that fruit and telling people, so that everybody has heard and had the opportunity to come to Christ. He's not. He's not going to come back prematurely and just leave some. Well, we we missed that whole people group, but nope. He's not willing that any should perish. Psalms 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Boy, if that didn't make you feel good. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When the devil comes to try to to rip me apart, that staff comes down on him. Wow! When I get myself in trouble I'm about to go over some cliff His staff Gently pulls me back But either way I'm going through this valley Because thou Art with me See that's my Expectation That I'm going to overcome Because Christ is with me Humans always want to know why And that's just natural. And it's okay to want to know why. But sometimes our why becomes why, 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 why. Right? It just keeps going. Why, why, why. You won't always know why everything happens. I don't know why everything happens. I'm the pastor. You can come to me and ask all you want. I may not know. But this one thing I know. I know in whom I have believed. I know in His character. I know in His justice. And I know in the end, He's going to make all things right. And I know He's never going to leave me hanging. And I know even if I am in the lion's den, He's there with me. And I can endure. Because thou art With me. In Psalms 13, 5, it says, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. In 2 Corinthians 2, 14, it says, But thank God He has made us His captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. It is a triumphal procession. And He continues to lead us on. And so whatever you're going through, He's in the front. Whatever you will experience, He's already experienced. And He came out the other side. Now He uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere. Like a sweet perfume. Let Him lead. Follow. Endure. Endure. These trials and these tribulations are there just to give you something to overcome. So that you can be a sweet smelling perfume to other people. And you can say, I've been through that, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. He could have zapped us up, but he needs us down here to gather in the harvest. To experience and overcome and show other people they can too. All of heaven is rejoicing that you're in Christ's triumphal procession. There's a great cloud of witnesses up there to your life of faith. And they're all praying that you'll still be shouting in the end, Hosanna! And not crucify. Not let false expectations break you down. Not let the lies of the enemy cause you to give up on producing fruit in your life. So I'd thrown the milk out in the street. I felt like a big man up until I looked at Angie's face. And then I thought to myself, what have I just done? But you know what? If you know Angie, you know she's sweet. She's easy to get along with. I don't I really don't even remember what she said. I just know I was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> Why did I tell that story? I don't know. But I will tell you this. When I met Angie and fell in love with her, I thought it couldn't get no better than that. This is the love of my life. I was infatuated. Everything that I thought she was was what I wanted. And my heart was singing. And I was deeply in love. And I said, it, it can't get no better than this. But as we went on and got married, I threw the milk, threw other things. She endured me. And I, she endured me again. <coughs> and she worked with me and I worked with her. And we went through hard times together. We went to funerals together. We went to weddings together. We raised two beautiful children together. We were in life and death situations. We had a period in our life that we were coming apart. And we came to this church and got saved. And God... Reconnected, so we know what it's like to be falling apart from each other and it was horrible. But over the experiences and over the trials and the tribulations, we endured. Now for 25 years, and now I look back and I didn't think it was possible, but I love her immensely more now through the tribulations than I did if there would have never been any tribulations. It is in the journey that you come to know Christ. That you've come to lean on him. That you come to really trust him. Oh, it was great when you first got saved, and you was telling everybody and you didn't even know two scriptures. But I tell you, it may be a little, it may feel a little different. I may now act the way I did as a young Christian but I'm every much passionate about Jesus, even more so than I was. I was thinking about how I would close this message, and I thought that might be it. I said, that's all I got. I went to bed praying, Lord, if there's, I feel like I need to pull it together better. So I woke up this morning, and it was like a boom. <clears throat> I started on my phone, and Put it on the notepad and this is what came out this morning. What should your expectations be when traveling the crossroad? Well, it's the road less traveled. It's tight, but it's right. You'll have tribulations, but it's just so you'll have something to overcome. You'll be molded. You'll be stretched, but it's into the image of God so that you can shine forth His glory. When you're thrown in the lion's den, you won't be alone. In the fiery furnace, never alone. So many things I'll never know, but I'll always be known. Never alone. You'll learn to stop throwing the milk when you don't get your way. You'll learn to ride your humble little donkey donkey, happily so that you can lead others into a land flowing with milk and honey. You'll get on eye level with people who need Jesus' kind of love and understanding. No, we are not special or exempt. We are Christians because we travel the crossroad with our Christ. The one who will see us past the cross we must bear to the resurrection we must share. See, there's coming a day that all this pain and the suffering and the sorrow will be over, and we'll be raised in a new body, a bodily resurrection. We'll be in heaven, where there's no more tears and no more sorrow. There's coming a day, but for today. We must take up our cross. Follow Him. You know what kind of milk I drink now? Two percent. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word.